Hey there, and welcome to Jed Banger's Ball. I'm your host, Jed Mayhew. Uh, this is our first episode, so I'm just going to quickly run down what the show is about uh, for those that are, are listening to it here for the first time, and then uh, we'll get on to our guests. Uh, but basically, the idea behind this show is to talk about music, but not so much the art of it, more sort of the nuts and bolts of it. So we're going to have all sorts of different people on. You know, we're going to have publicists, photographers, writers, bloggers, people that do music licensing, uh, you know, all the, a lot of the behind-the-scenes stuff, not just, you know, people that play in bands. Um, but we're not really here to have a debate on art versus commerce or anything like that. It's really just to get to know people and to see how and why they do the things they do and how they survive doing it. So... For our inaugural episode, I couldn't think of anyone better uh, that represents that more than uh, Lance Barisi and Liz Tooley, who I've been friends with since they moved here to L.A. Uh, we play music together, and go to shows, and DJ gigs, and shit like that. But most importantly, they own and operate Permanent Records uh, here in Los Angeles, and also the flagship store in Chicago. And the thing about Permanent is it's much more than just a record store. Uh, they have live performances there. They also put out records by bands that they're fans of. It's also a gathering place for a lot of local musicians. Uh, it's where we go and buy our records uh, that we'll you know, maybe then use as influences later or go back and talk to them about it. People trade stuff in and out of there all the time. Uh, it's, just, it's just a hangout spot. Uh, so check it out. It's over in Highland Park if you get the chance. Um, so without talking too much more about the show, let's talk to Lance and Liz and see who they are and what they do. So, um, first off, I, I guess I first met you guys uh, when you moved here, like right after you guys moved here, which was, what, three years ago, four years ago? A little over three years ago. 2011, sometime in like the spring of 2011. Yeah, yeah and, that was, and that was at the, at the shop on Colorado. Yeah. Yeah, on Eagle Rock. We were there for quite a few years, and we got to know you pretty well during that time. <laughs> Yes, a little too well. Too, right, right. You know? <laughs> well, I think I came, I think someone told me, I don't remember who it was, told me about you guys coming from Chicago and, and opening up the store. And Did they said, tell you we were carpetbaggers that were coming to a rich kid carpetbaggers? That's one of our me. first Yelp reviews. Yeah. Rich kid carpetbaggers come down from Illinois to take over Los Angeles. It's like the second gold rush, yeah, but of uh, uh, used records. Yeah. And who the totally. fuck uses the carpetbaggers in there? <laughs> who who uses uh, the word carpetbaggers that knows how to use a computer? Yeah, I know exactly. It, the, you should be like ninety years old and fucking arthritic, so you can't like type out that shit. I don't know. Maybe you had like a voice box. But I remember I came in there. Someone told me to like go in and introduce myself to you. I think is what it was, and then. So I came in the store, and it's rad, and, and then we just kind of became friends and started playing music and playing shows and stuff like that. But what I was, what I was wondering is, like, where, where, did, where are you guys from originally? Like did you guys grow up in the same... originally? Yeah, like, well, are you guys from the same <laughs> part of the country originally? We are, yeah. We're both from Missouri. I'm from the southern, south county, the suburbs of St. Louis. So he's from, like, you know, I don't know. 
Like he's from there. <laughs> what is that? What is that? What well, is I'm from like <laughs> no I'm one from like, has ever said that about South County before. You know, ooh, well to do. Yeah. I'm from like the soggy bottoms, man. I'm from shit. Okay, so I was born in Arkansas originally, and I was there like six years, like in soggy bottoms. trailer parks, and then I graduated to the trailer parks of Southwest Missouri. So Joplin, Missouri, is where I hung my hat for the longest amount of time. But well, is that a drone up there? Yeah, there's a drone in here. That's not the one that landed on the Did it land there? Because no. I was going to ask you. That would be a good trick. I heard the guy was drunk just flying. Yeah, <laughs> trying no, that to was his excuse, yeah. which is amazing. He's like, uh, I, I'm going to go ahead and wrap myself out. But, you know, I, I, I was drunk. I'm really sorry, man. Like, <laughs> He's trying to impress a girl with his drone and crashed it into the White House yeah. lawn. Yeah, and he fucking works there. Like, could it be anybody that doesn't? Now he's so fired. He's just fired. That Anyways, sucks. we digress. So Joplin, Missouri. Yeah. And then in St. Louis. So let's see. I meet Lance when I'm 24. Lance is 20. We both drive two hours uh, to get to the show by this band called The Anniversary. Oh, yeah. I remember those guys. You've probably heard of. Were they on Um, Lookout Records? Yeah. I have (laughs) no idea. Yeah. I think like Vagrant. I had no idea who they were, but my roommate did, and she had two tickets, and she was going to meet me there, but she's having an epic fight with her boyfriend. So I was driving up two hours to Kansas City to meet my friend Jim, who was flying in from summer, was exceptionally late. And Lance drove two hours west to get there from Columbia, Missouri, where That's he was... That's where I went to college. Yeah, he was going to college. I was not going to college. Anyways. You were going to the check cashing place. <laughs> yeah, I was. Oh, I totally was, man. Um, just to get gas money to get to the show. So um, School of hard knocks. Yeah. So I get there, and my friend's, like, exceptionally late. I'm just like, man, this sucks so hard, and I don't know any of these bands. Like, what was the other band that was playing that we found out? I don't like, know. Some Kansas City band that I can't remember the name of, but we can tell the We'll get back to that, that in a minute, because there's a guy we know that works at the Black Boar that was at that show, that was in a band played that played that, that show. Which is really which weird. is crazy because the blackboard is in Eagle Rock here in Los Angeles. So. Right. Anyways, uh, we both drove the two hours to get to the show. Lance gets stood up by I don't know who because he won't say. He's like, "Oh, it's a lady friend. She's just a friend, whatever." And then she like, was just a friend. Yeah. There's you say she's just a friend. And you say anyway. So I'm sitting at a table by myself in the balcony. Lance is sitting at a table by himself in the balcony. We're fucking losers. So I was like, ah, I'm going to go talk to that guy sitting by himself. This just seems stupid. You never went to a show alone before that? Hell no. He does that. That's so sad. Time, Even more proof Nobody that you're a fucking loser. anything that I wanted to go to, so I always had to go by myself. I never. I've never been to I didn't think it was that like, weird, but also then. I always scope the room for hot chicks, too. And yeah. Well, ding, ding, ding. Anyway, so <laughs> and or somebody old enough to buy me a beer legally because I that's only the real had a story. That's the fucking that real time. story. I was so twenty years old. He's there. He's twenty. I'm twenty four. My friend Jim is almost there, and I his tickets waiting in the door. Blah blah blah. Anyway, so I don't get up and talk to this guy because I was like, I'm, I don't know, he looks a little bit young, and also I'm like, I don't want him to think I'm gonna fuck him if I go talk to him. So I'm just gonna <laughs> sit here. So then he gets up and starts coming around the balcony, and I think he's going to go out the exit, and then he comes around to my table, and he's like, hey, this is really weird, but, like, I got stood up by a friend, and I, you're sitting by yourself. Is it cool if I sit with you? And I was like, oh, my God, I was going to ask you the same thing. So that's how we met. Um, then he, my friend Jim shows up. We got blasted and hung out together at that show. Then I was like, Jim, this is my old friend Lance. 
he's really cool. You should let him stay at your house. And he's like, oh, yeah, any friend of yours, friend of mine. So then me and Lance and him go bar hopping, and Lance has the worst fake ID anybody's ever had. It's like this 40-year-old dude with male pattern baldness and a full <laughs> beard, yeah. and his name is Cliff Head. <laughs> <laughs> so Jim's like, I don't know, dude. I don't know if I can get you into many places with this, but he's like, let's go to some of my stomping grounds, and we'll get you guys drunk. So Cliff Head? Yeah. We, Cliff Head. So I, Liz Tooley, hung out with uh, Cliff Head. And my friend Jim, and we went around and bar hopped. And we got then, laughed away from the front door yeah. a couple of different places before we finally went somewhere that they didn't even check my ID. Yeah, no one cared at that point. You, it was a place where you almost get hit with darts like constantly because people are so drunk and the dartboard's like right by the front door. Who right. was playing in there? I feel like it was. <laughs> this is dating us and and also the territory. There was it a was band. It was like guys from the band Ultimate fake book playing at that venue i was too drunk to remember there was a band other than they were doing like an acoustic set or something anyways we're getting really far into the story we get really really blasted jim passes out on the couch lance and i end upstairs like talking quote unquote and (laughs) so and then i had that conversation i was like i was like you're so cute i'm gonna like i'm gonna kiss your face off and then he's like why don't you do it then (laughs) (laughs) so then you know that happens. Yeah, one thing yeah. sure. led to another. And then morning comes and you're so fucking sick and fucked up and you have like a stranger laying next to you. You're like, oh my God, this is the worst thing in the world. Then, I f- then I'm like, and he's 20 years old. This is weird. And then I'd, we drive him to his car. Lance drives this seafoam green Geo Tracker. Which, 1994. I had a 91 Geo Storm. This was like fit in a storm. I don't know. What is it with dudes and Geos? I don't know. I was like, They're cheap. What do you mean? Is that the shagging wagon? Like, no. if you get one of those, do you it's get the like opposite? Because for me, wagon. I don't give a shit about cars. But dropping this guy off with this seafoam green thing with like a pink squiggly and some yeah. fucking speckly. <laughs> there were decals and decals shit. and fucking. Skink and pickle stickers and mustard free, plug. Like, oh yeah, mustard like, plug. Yeah, one of uh, Wisconsin's best ska bands. Yeah, yeah, I finest think premier ska bands. Yeah, yeah. they're they're so. great. So that's our meeting. That's our meeting story. I didn't think we'd talk again, but we exchanged emails, and then Lance just like emailed the fuck out of me and was really cool. And I so, don't know. so how do you guys get from that to deciding we're going to move to Chicago oh, yeah. and we're going to open up oh, a record forgot. store? We forgot that this whole thing isn't about our relationship. <laughs> oh yeah. No, I mean it's let's, interesting. Let's get the relationship talk. <laughs> it's not. It's Liz not. It's not about your relationship at all. No. But it is interesting. But what it is about is about you guys owning right. a record store, a record label, having a band, okay. and surviving on yeah. that, and living with this fucker like twenty four hours a day. We're just like together all the time. Yeah, that's that it's too. Like, how do you successfully do that? Exactly. So how know, do we get... I don't know if we successfully do it, but we do it. Okay. So. so how do we get to Chicago? All right. So we met in that in Kansas City. Shortly after that, we both I was living in Columbia, Missouri. And I was working a record store job already since I was seventeen at the small little shitty place called the Book Barn, where they <laughs> had like records and books and like I was the seller of Pokemon cards. So I can tell you all about Charizard, Blastoise, all the stupid shit. And I helped with comic books, but they sold records mostly. So Liz is going to give you like the entirety of her resume before yeah. we're done here. So we lived together in Columbia. And as soon as Liz moved to Columbia, she got a job at another store, another store that sold records, not exactly a record store. It was called Slackers CDs and Games. 
wait, should I say that? Maybe I shouldn't because it might be you dissing them too it. hard. God damn it. They're not going to They're not gonna listen. Yeah, they, we're recording this like computer. There's no way to edit it out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Liz started working there, and I was still in school and working at a restaurant or whatever. But right around that time, we started our first band together, too. And it was really fucking terrible. And Lance, what, Lance okay, Lance wanted to sound like Fugazi. Well, or first or Drive Light like Jehu. First, we sounded like White Stripes. No, don't even say that. It's we not did. even true because I fucking know. Just because I At have first, a pussy doesn't mean I'm fucking Meg White. That's what we were doing. It was like really stripped down, like raw, garagey punk stuff. Okay. And then it got more nuanced. Just say when it we was garagey. Just play say that. Our instruments. Because we were not the White What was the name of the band? Tiny Pants. <laughs> Tiny Pants. <laughs> and you know why it was called Tiny Pants? No. Because Lance got up on one day and put on a pair of my pants on accident and could wear them. And I so thought it was because the yeah. guy, the bouncer at Eastside Tavern was called Big Pants, and he and I were bros, so everybody just called me That's Tiny That's just pants. what you told people when they asked you why. So. I don't remember. But it was because he could officially I could wear my pants at that point. Have he at was, that point fit into Liz's pants. He was a, sec- I got he was a sexy, skinny little man. <laughs> Okay, anyway. so Tiny Pants is rocking out. Oh, yeah. yeah. Just killing it, dude. No, we no. were not we killing were it. We were terrible. like the saddest band in Columbia. So like Cave is from Columbia, Warhammer, all these amazing bands bubbled up out of the scene. Um, Mahjong, like who else was just like a ton of really amazing bands. And I remember like, a band called Sin City Disciples that I yeah. used to like a lot. There's so Are they much. from Columbia? Uh, no, they're from Columbus, Missouri. Oh, yeah, that's, that's Columbus, oh. Ohio. Oh, no, no, no. Well, they're from Columbia, Columbia Missouri. Columbia, yeah, yeah, yeah. probably. Yeah. They're like, it's like Lawrence, Columbia, yeah, like yeah. Uh, the, the Micronauts and the Embarrassment and all these bands. Yeah. Yeah. That's earlier, though, but yeah, yeah. yeah. We but it was it was a like cool little college later. town. I mean, the time we were there, there were all these kids that were probably like five or six years younger than us, just like creating this amazing music scene and I'm already four years older than Lance, and Lance is four years older than them. So we're just like coming into this really creative group of kids who are, you know, going to school and making amazing music. And a lot of them are in other projects and shit. So our band is like totally, you know, in cons. Wait, what is that word? Inconsequential. Yes. Incons- sure. Our band was totally inconsequential that's, in that scene. We played at at a at a ice cream shop. We played at a vintage shop. <laughs> All of our shows consisted of playing hey, we at op- someone's we house party. We Pelican one time, Liz. Somehow we accidentally opened for Pelican, which is like the talk of the town at the time. And so many people being like, how'd you get on that show? Can <laughs> I get on that show instead of you? Like straight up saying that to us. So that was like probably the most embarrassing thing in the world was us opening for Pelican. So... Shortly after I graduated from college, I started working at a different location of the same record store, quote-unquote record store, that Liz was working for in a neighboring community. And we did that for a year or two or something, and we kept trying to push the owner or, like, suggest that the owner focus more on the vinyl side of things because we were seeing, like, the CD market totally crash. Sure. What year was this? 2004. Right. Is when I graduated college. Yeah. And we were just like, if you even just made like, a, they didn't even have vinyl at the time. We're like, if you could just make a small section of vinyl. I mean, they, I guess they had had some dollar records in a crappy bin, but it was mostly CDs and games and DVDs and shit. So we're like, 
okay, there's some great distributors that do like all-in-one stuff. We can do like a small place that has like affordable prices and just let us build a vinyl section for you. And they're like, oh, blah, blah. So they'd be like, okay, you get $200 this month. So then we would get to buy like 20 records or something. And so then all the 20 records would sell out and they're like, okay, you get $250 next month. And it was just like... Pulling, just the budget was ridiculous. Pulling teeth. And if you know that compared to the, the money they're making off these fucking Xbox games at the height of like Xbox and PlayStation and those get sold back in and so they don't understand vinyl at all. They don't care. It's not making them a million dollars. So so um, at that time we decided we were going to just start scouting out different cities because we knew we couldn't just start up a record store there. First of all, there was a really killer store there uh, called A-Pop that we were friends with the owners of so we never would ever dream of like opening up and competing with them and secondly we just didn't want to die in columbia missouri yeah we wanted to get the fuck out of missouri but i didn't know where we would end up so we had both been working i was like four and a half years at that place i was a manager after like a year lance was like two or three and a half years at his place had been a manager like almost since he got there so we knew how to do everything and um or we thought we did. <laughs> and so as far as like payroll and all that kind of stuff, the micromanaging and those kind of things, we knew a lot of vendors. So we just started taking vacations together to different parts of the country and trying to figure out where, um, what our city would be like, what would fit us the best for the kind of stuff that we wanted to sell and like what music scenes were going on at the time. So we traveled, I think for two years doing that just trying to figure out where we should yeah, end like up a, a weekend trip like every three months or yeah something. but we went to like baltimore <laughs> boston uh where else all North, up and down the yeah east coast. east coast for some reason we hit up really hard i don't know why we never thought about the west coast i thought well maybe. we came to la and we stayed in like venice or whatever which was rad but we were like there's no way you could ever have a store here like the store that was there in Venice had been taken over by like a surf shop and we stopped in there and they were, we were like, what happened with that record store? And they were like, oh, it went under, like nobody cared at all. Right. You know, like nobody And I mean, maybe now, I think there might be some like depot record spot over there for somebody, but like at the time we were checking it out, there was nothing. And at that time too, Amoeba had just opened up here and... Ever, all anybody had to talk about was gloom and doom like amoeba basically killed off all the indie sure. stores blah 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 and that you know not only was it a terrible time in general but this would be the worst place to do it you know well i want to i definitely want to get into the amoeba discussion here at some point just to sort of parallel you guys and them and and kind of talk about the difference of that but what what made chicago seem like the spot and what was it like when you guys first got there as far as opening up the store? I Chicago would say... felt right in a lot of ways um, because, well, firstly, it... Is that a word? Firstly is definitely a word. Okay, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> You're derailing the whole shit. <laughs> Just start from there. Uh, yeah, firstly, it was a lot closer to home and felt like a bigger, less of a gigantic leap than any place else that we could have gone. Sure, it's not New York, but it's but it's huge and it's there's a ton of stuff going on. Totally. They have a lot of record stores there, though. Yeah, and but the way the stores were there at that time, there was nothing like what we wanted to do. Like. Reckless had existed there forever, basically, and there were, at that time, two locations. 
but like that store i don't i don't want to like it just wasn't what we wanted to do sure you know what i mean um and the other stores that existed at that time were like one man operations where it was literally like a dude and a bunch of used records in a neighborhood far away from everything else so all the other record stores there are really far out and like kind of almost suburban neighborhood. And where's the Chicago store located? It's just south of Wicker Park in a neighborhood called the Ukrainian Village. Right. Okay. And so that was like a good spot for us. We checked out Logan Square, which is where Pitch Pitchfork first started. Um they had a space in this building that we looked at, but that was not quite there yet. Now it's like massively awesome. There's so much stuff going on there, but we couldn't have succeeded if we'd been there like 8 years ago. It wouldn't have worked, I don't think. Um, so we chose Ukrainian village cause we had a lot of friends living there, really good access to public transportation, which is really important in Chicago. Um, I don't know. We just found a space that was easy and it just seemed like the music scene there was so good at the time and it just fit everything that we were into and, and the history of it and like the established labels, like it felt right for a lot of different reasons. And the fact that there were already so many independent labels set up there that we could buy directly from, there were a couple of different significant distributors well, that were there. You have Drag City, you have Thrill right. Jockey, Touch right? and Go. At the time, Touch, Touch and, and go. go was still going strong. And the distributors, Numero like, Group was just coming up right around yeah. that time. So, you know, and then also right around that time, like, Hozak was just getting kicked off. They were right around the same time as us. So. Yeah. I remember them when it was, I think I think it was just a zine at the time. Yeah, horizontal, yeah. horizontal action. It was yeah. just photos of, like, they got naked girls in <laughs> bands. <laughs> that got kicked out of Reckless because it got too raunchy. They yeah, it got pretty raunchy. First, and they were like, nope, not carrying that year. We embraced the hell out of that. Hence the name Horizontal Action, I mean. Yeah. So that's why we went with Chicago. For no other reason, because we didn't really know anyone there. At that point, we didn't know anyone anywhere else other than Missouri. So everywhere we went, we were going to be noobs, you know. And what was the reception when you got there? It was great. It was crazy at first because we had started to sign a lease on one space, and that fell through because we weren't Ukrainian. Those guys got to look at us, and they're like, no, not you, after we had worked with a company to try to do it. So then we had to struggle to find another space. So we get that space, and we're stoked. And, like, it just so happens that the weekend we're opening is the weekend of, like, the 25th touch-and-go anniversary. So then Lance and I just made flyers that were like, do you want to come to, like, a kick-ass record store? We got the shop for you. Or, we, I don't know what it said. I can't really remember but we just stood outside of that festival and like that is like the exact customer we would want to come to the shop is like that group of like sure. 5,000 people and so that's how the shop got got going. I mean my started. friends that went to that show are the most record collectory friends yeah. that I have it's like know? absolutely perfect that that happened. Like, fucking killdozers playing yeah, yeah. And I'm like, come, we're like, come in three days, we'll be open. And it was like coming in three days, the flyer was like super specific where it was close to where a lot of those people were already living. And they're like, oh, rad, rad. It's like giving someone a flyer and they're excited, which never happens in life. So because at that time, too, all the indie stores in Chicago were going under like left and right tower, like the and the big box chains were all going under as well. Like Virgin and Tower were all like closing the same year we were opening. 
which was great for publicity for us because all the local like news televisions, places, television stations, newspapers, all these people came to us to be like, "Why on earth would you do this in the midst of the rise of the MP3?" Like they were just they had they were so clueless about music in general, but they were like right because they don't understand the difference between yeah. like a new top forty CD and some rare psych record that you may have found for five dollars that you can then sell for 50 yeah mm-hmm. they were so clueless and they're like who even has these records sure. these vinyls so it was like people were so like overwhelmed by it. at least the media was and they wrote so many stories like we made front pages of like chicago tribune and like what else the the reader did a story i think and then we were on television like a crap ton and we were just like these kids being like why us like we're just getting started but hey so that helped us get like a good a kickstart and then basically what we did was and i think this was more we're not like business people you know like i went to school for business but only because that degree was the degree to get me out of college as fast as you possibly can sure and i'm a college dropout hardcore i made it i mean <laughs> i like, never went to college yeah <laughs> i made it like two years i think if that counts i don't know i was stoned half the time count, and no. like i dropped out of high school i'm, I'm just the ultimate loser yeah but you know, I, then you then you just pedal your records and yeah, it's all good. So all all our business strategy, quote unquote business strategy, going into opening that store was just to like take. Okay, so we had like six months or a year or something after we decided to make the move. We just bought every record we could get our hands on that was a dollar. Uh, and bought out everybody at a garage sale that we went to or whatever. But at that time, I will say, you could get really great shit. Like, it wasn't like it is now where a dollar record is a $15 or $20 record. Sure, I mean, it's the internet. It's like anything else. I mean, in the early... Once eBay and all that shit started In the early 2000s, I was, like, buying old cars out of, like, the Seattle Times classified ad section and then selling them on... You were flipping cars? eBay, yeah. I was, like, (laughs) flipping cars. But in the same way of, like, there used to be, like, classified ads and, like, some older guy would put his, like muscle car project in the paper that he didn't finish and had he he's like, oh, I'm not going to figure out this eBay shit. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'll just put it on here and I'll sell it for $8,000. Well, there's someone in Arizona that's willing to spend 20 on it. Yeah. You know? So it was the same thing. That's yeah. awesome. But yeah, it's the same premise, same time period where people weren't really clued in on what was going on and all that stuff was new to everybody. So you could go to a garage sale and get a box of like 50 records for like 8 to 10 bucks if someone didn't know what they had. I mean, and I don't, we I didn't don't, know what we were doing. Either. I mean, yeah, we I don't consider it Black trolling. Sabbath we were and just... Led Zeppelin records and shit like that that you could get. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not like we were super savvy or anything. We liked what I would consider yeah. somewhat it's decent. Just like music. I want to sell that. Like I'm gonna buy that. We owned all that shit on CD because that was the only way to get funkadelic records back then. You know what I mean? Right. For a reasonable amount of money. Sure. And, and a reasonable amount of money for us at that time in our lives, when we were spending four hundred dollars on our house for rent and still struggling and had to have a roommate was one dollar you spent if you want a record you spend one fucking dollar and that's it i mean i was a broke-ass college kid you know in missouri so when the store gets going like how long does it take before you guys feel like oh this is actually working like we can actually do this this is well in hindsight it never actually happened but while it was going, you know, like when the day we opened, it felt like we were having a glorified garage sale. You know what I mean? It's I mean, like people were stoked. Just... There were a lot of people there, like 
from the get-go and I thought I would go out and get a job and Lance would like man like literally man the store and then I would just come in at night and help do some extraneous things because Lance like had a little bit better of a head for he has like a really amazing memory so that's his like strong suits were like let's put you there let me go out and like waitress or whatever the fuck and then I don't know things were doing so well and we were so busy that if one of us wasn't there it could be uncomfortable to try to figure out like how to help people out so and always what's happened over the years since we decided to start doing this is that shit gets a little bit shaky we say oh no like now's the time where one of us has to go out and look for another line of work and then kind of magically or maybe because of the amount of work that we've put into this thing i don't know uh it ends up working out okay and then we're so busy that we don't have time to go get that other job sure like i never i almost got a when we moved out here i almost went and got a job at trader joe's <laughs> because i was like well i, I could just run over there for you a remember minute. he was like you're like i'm like, gonna get health care <laughs> it's yeah. like 20 hours a week man that's all you and he's like and and like sometimes they stop by and get a record somebody that works over there and he'd be like hey man is hiring like night stalkers like any maybe some stock in the shelves that's after we'd been in business for six years in chicago we were yeah. going to get married because but of the trader joe's job so that i could have insurance yeah. too there's we this whole plot out, like man. we were going to figure it out thank goodness for obamacare otherwise no kidding. i'd be working at tj's and i'd be married part-time. to this piece of shit <laughs> <laughs> so ultimately if if you wanted like get super real about it for the first six years of us having our store in chicago like this is how bad of business people we are we we did what we loved and we always just went for doing the stuff that we thought was the coolest and that like we could stand behind and without and always sacrificed paying ourselves so like for the longest for literally for 6 years in chicago i paid myself just enough to pay rent and like whatever like expenses we had and then liz got no money yeah. zero money Zero dollars. For but we six paid, years We paid, we paid the employees, which was cool, and having them there allowed us to have a regular, you know, so all 10 of to 6 job. Our, our bills were paid, our, like, you know, whatever our rent was in Chicago and, like, whatever, you know, our car and whatever. But, like, there was no extra money ever. Right, yeah. Right. You know what I mean? So that's how cool it is to but own a record store. <laughs> well, I want to talk about that, though, what, like, what it takes, though, to actually... Uh, to, to run a record store because a lot of people think like, oh, you just order records from the distributors like a bookstore or anything else. But you you get up at like yeah. five in the morning. Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes and, and scour yeah. like record shows, garage sales all over yeah. Southern California. You guys go to Utrecht in Holland and go to the record fair there. You go to the WF, WFMU fair in New York. Yeah. Totally. Well, Lance is like the golem of like record trolling. <laughs> he just like just lurks because around we're watching there. the Lord of the Rings looking series for right his... now doesn't mean you can make an he's analogy looking... to Gollum. He's looking for My his precious. <laughs> They're all oh, his precious. Jesus. So What's like the biggest at. score that you've had then, as far as if you're, uh, if you're, you're looking at? Well, her. I know. Besides <laughs> Jesus Christ, besides <laughs> I wouldn't have said that. Um, you know, there's there's been so many records over the years that I can't think of one. I'm n- like, there's guys that I talk to that are like, yeah, I bought this fucking $10,000 record for a dollar. And I'm just like, I'm not that lucky. You know, the reason I have to get up and like hustle this hard is because 
I, nothing, you're not that good at your job. Nothing like that has ever fallen into my lap. You know, I've found like hundreds of dollars worth of records for a dollar, but like not a four figure record or anything. The best things for people like us to do and the things that are the most profitable uh, is when we can go get a good collection and you almost always have to just pay fairly for those things. Yeah. For us, the collections are where it's at. If you can get like a really awesome, like Krautrock collection or like minimal synth or something like that. I like, wonder about that. Like that a, as a whole is like, where right. It's at. On a collection. Do you normally, uh, Lance is trying to get another beer. List? He's trying to get another beer out of the fridge. Uh, I'll talk Lunch. to Lance while you get it. We have uh, these vintage old Milwaukee beers here in the studio. Yeah, cheers. Um, and I think they actually are vintage. I think they're expired, but yeah. it's fine. It's kind of skunky, dude. Um, but so that's that's a question I have is like, on a collection, do you offer like a dollar amount for the entire collection? Or do you say like, I'm going to average it out that each record in this collection is worth $5? You know, there's some that are worth 25 There's some that are worth $1. There's some that are worth 10 mm-hmm. and then there's a few gems in there. I mean, it, that's kind of how it is, but you don't often, like when you're buying a collection that big, you don't often have to like separate it into little stacks for people. You're just like, okay, you have about, you know, a thousand records that kick ass and I'm going to pay you a really large sum for them. You know, sometimes you'll mention the sum per record or whatever, and then everything else I'm going to pay you this for. So that's I've done it every. I mean, you can do it. Yeah, you can cherry way. pick sometimes, where you just take some of it. Some people want like the whole collection gone at once, so it just really depends on what type of seller it is and like how attached they are to their collection. I um, feel like that makes a big difference. Too. Is that like? I mean, so you guys are you know you're here in L.A. There's Amoeba, obviously, which is a huge record store, probably the biggest independent record store in the world, maybe, mm-hmm. um, and they. They're able to sell stuff, it seems, relatively cheap. Yeah. And that's probably because of the quantity of items that they're moving. You guys have a much smaller store. I mean, how many records are in the store at once, would you say? I don't know, somewhere around 10,000 or something. 10 yeah. or 15,000, maybe. And if anybody's ever been to Amoeba, it's like a freaking Best Buy of like every record. I mean, so much shit. But it's like a lot of it's new inventory, so it's like... There's some used stuff, but I don't know. I mean, the thing is, if you go to Amoeba, it's like I feel like I can always find something if I go there, but yeah, I have to dig for it. Yeah, you and really, really if you guys, take. for permanent or whatever, if I have thirty bucks to spend on a record, I'm gonna find something at your store that I've been looking for for a long time. And you and can I'm come, not. You can like come to the counter and ask one of us, and sure. we can like walk you to it. Well, yeah, of I course. I know that's crazy, but. That's a thing that exists. Well, that's that's true of any <laughs> small business, though. Yeah. But, I mean, as far as, like, the curation of it seems like a really important part. Like, you guys aren't just, like, throwing out any record because you only have a, a, a limited amount of space that yeah. you can use. For sure, yeah. It's really... And that's been big for us since the get-go, I feel like. Yeah, we've always tried to curate it as as well as we possibly could, but we've, you know not always had as many opportunities to get as many great used records as we have, especially since we moved to L.A. Things changed pretty drastically as far as that is concerned because our eyes were opened to the opportunities that exist, especially in a, in a city like L.A., where it's warm year-round and there's, like, There's no flooded basements. Everywhere. It's, like, so much music, so many people with records for sale, so many record fairs. 
so many places to travel all the time to get records. It just makes such a... So there's more opportunity, which then opens your eyes to what's out there, which gets you more motivated to get out there more. And then you realize, like, wow, this is endless. There are literally millions of records that have never have gone been stored in you know storage lockers and basements and attics and whatever for decades that still haven't seen the light of day that will just slowly but surely make themselves available and yeah so what was the impetus then to move to la from chicago and and, and open up a second store strictly weather weather (laughs) you guys are just sick of the weather in chicago yeah fucking sick of it just the winter there is just so brutal. It it was like really demoralizing, you know. And like the more of those winters you have to live through. If anybody from Chicago is listening right now, either they are completely sympathetic and saying like, "Oh man, I fucking know, man, this sucks," or, or they're, they're like, like "Pussies, fucking yeah, exactly." <laughs> Can't uh, deal with it. Just get the fuck out. Yeah. So, you know, we were there for five years and. The first, I feel like the first couple winters weren't that bad. And then like the third one just hit us like a ton of bricks. It was just a really long gray one that got super cold. 50 snows that were over like three feet tall or more blizzardish. And it's just gray. I cried once on the way home because it wouldn't stop snowing and winding in my face. I call it winding or sneeting or snowing and sleeting at the same time. I'm getting sneeted all over my face. And then I started crying, and then my teardrops were, like, freezing. I was like, fuck this. I'm getting out of here. <laughs> and so. when and when did you guys start the record label part of it, too? Because you have a record label, too, Permanent Records, yeah. releasing actual music as well. That was pretty much right off the bat. I mean, it was, like, our first year, I think. But we had, you know, it was friends from Columbia, Missouri, Warhammer 48K. And uh, they had all started to move up to chicago a lot of friends from that scene so it was cool having people there but we kept bugging cooper and being like when are you gonna put this record out when are you gonna put this on vinyl so we can carry it and he's like i don't know anybody who wants to do it why don't you just do it they had cd copies of it out and they were like doing really well at the time like Corey from touch and go had expressed some interest the guys from tp i think had included them on like a comp of like stoner rock stuff and things were going really well, and we were just like, seriously, the their first record came out on vinyl, and we were like, what's taking so long? Like, every who wouldn't want to put this out, you know? And then how how many releases have you guys put out on the label? We're almost we'll be at fifty by the middle of this year, so we're at forty something right now yeah. with some things in the works, which is you know not too bad for eight years. Yeah, of, of keeping it going. I mean, we're not like a touch and go you know, like a label like that who specifically only does music. Well, it's amazing that you kept it as long going as long as you have given that you aren't doing it specifically all the time because it's like, it seems like it would be most people would kind of get bored if it wasn't like a constant thing that they were doing, you know? Yeah. And it's such a time consuming effort too. Sure. So it's like, it's literally a labor of love. Like there's no real money to be made there unless you're getting hooked up somehow with licensing deals and stuff, which like hasn't happened for us once. We just are very unlucky folk. (laughs) We'll just say that we are some of the most unlucky folk you ever meet. (laughs) We've, you know, I think we already talked about our past. We don't come from money. We've never won the lottery. We are not carpet baggers. (laughs) You guys have overcome your unluckiness through hard work and vigor. I think so. And vigor. 
And yeah. I think just even it's just been the past couple of years that things have really started to turn where we're like, all right, we we know what we're doing now. We finally get it. To we just started working even harder. Yeah, <laughs> but smarter too, you know, not yeah. not doing all this the side labor where we were like, okay, we should have an employee doing certain things and freeing up our time a bit to do like more important tasks that we can't entrust other people. So, and were you guys playing music this entire time too? Were you playing in bands? Yeah, I'd say off and on we had uh savage hyenas, which was a disaster. Um, I don't know what else were we doing? Well, I because mean, yeah, when we, so we, when we left Columbia, we left tiny pants behind. And obviously. Savage Hyena was Columbia, too. Forgive me. So, but And when then we when we moved to... We had a rehearsal space, and we... Oh, you know what happened is when we were moving... When we moved to Chicago, every Wednesday night at the store, we had an open jam. So, like, the back of the shop had nothing in it yet because we were that broke that only, like, half the store was filled. Because you guys do in-stores now all the time. Yeah, is that, yeah. And that, is that what sprouted that idea to do the in-stores? Yeah, I mean, we were kind of doing we that from the beginning. We were going to do that anyway, yeah. So we left that space open, essentially just for bands to play there, but on Wednesday nights, we would invite certain customers or friends to come into the shop after after work and, like, get stoned with us and get drunk and play music. And you so. guys just had the Melvins recently. Yeah. What are the, some of the bigger bands that have played the in-stores? Um, I mean, we've had the Meat Puppets play. We've had, um, I mean, just bands that we love, the OCs, Ty. Kid Conga. Uh, Who else? I don't know. Tyvek, like anybody you can think of that well, is part of. Well, you can think of. Well, that's part of a scene that we really care about. Yeah, I yeah. feel like almost everybody's rolled through. Times New Viking, um, Pearling Hiss, uh, Kurt Vile, just... I mean, I don't know. We were in a good spot there, and we're in a good spot here. It's cool. Yeah. Like, everything is, like, Death. someone's coming through And you guys just released town. a record with your own band, Endless Bummer. Yeah, yeah. On In The Red Records. Because we also play in a band together here. Now you guys here. also play like, a band together here. Yeah. And run two stores and a label. So we're just kind of crazy like that. And you're playing down the street from this where we're recording this right now at the El Rey. When yeah. is that show? April 24th. April 24th with Fuzz. Yeah. Which is awesome. Fuzz is such totally. a great band. Which That'll be amazing. Yeah. yeah. Played our first show with Fuzz at The Smell, actually. This is going to be, like, monumental for us. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. We've played a lot of shows with Fuzz, so it's nice. And we played with Ty a few times. And we play with you guys, too, Zigzag. So it's just nice, like, being here in L.A., I feel like we started taking, you know, playing in a band a little more seriously and, like, Starting to devote more time to like regular practice. Met Greg, who's amazing. Yeah, we just con somebody who's actually good at playing. An yeah, playing with two shitty people, with and that makes all the difference in the world when you got a guy who'll just put up with shit bags and like you know shred. So, but that helped us out, and I feel like that's a lucky thing that happened for us. That that's pretty lucky. Yeah, I feel lucky. I would say we're we're lucky in a lot of little small like small ways, but we we've never had that one big. Stroke of luck. Yeah. That's great. We're rich in friends, yeah. right? Yeah, we're rich and in, records, too. We're rich in friends. We're rich in records. We're rich in cats. <laughs> you guys have a lot of cats. We do have a lot of fun A cats, lot of feral cats. Right? And I've got these rashes. That's a whole other show. Not even go there. <laughs> this is not a cat show. The cat show comes on after this. <laughs> <laughs> meow, meow, meow. Yeah. So that's great. But thank you guys for coming in. Yeah, I really appreciate it. This is the first show, so you guys are the inaugural guests, and I wouldn't want to have anyone else but you guys in. Awesome. Congrats, man. Yeah. Thank you. So, uh, Chad Banger's ball. You heard it. First show. Do you guys want to play a game real quick? Sure. It's uh -huh. called uh, Band Names. Oh, okay. snap. 
speaking of bands, so we've been trying to think of band names for. Well, like, this is perfect, and I think away. that you guys will be really good about this because you guys own a record store and you see a lot of different records all the time and see um, thousands and different band names every day. Yeah. Basically, what this game is is I'm going to give you a cue card, and you're going to read the name of the band on it, and then you're going to we're going to have to determine whether it's a real or a fake band. Okay. okay. No problem. Is it real or is it fake? That's basically <laughs> what it is. What yeah. do you, wait, what do you call your game? Band names. Band names. Band names. Okay. Yeah. Dan, band names. Here, Liz, you can read the first one. Okay. Let me read it. <clears throat> George Clunatic. Wait, George Clunatic and the Trauma Queen. George Clunatic. Oh, Clunatic. <laughs> No, Clunatic. Clunatic. Oh, my God. Okay. Let me me try that again. George Clunatic and the... I can't do it. (laughs) (laughs) Take motherfucking three. Oh, man. George Clunatic and the Trauma Queens. Exactly. Okay. Is that a real band or is that a fake band? That definitely shouldn't be real. It sounds like... That's the worst band name I've ever heard. But it sounds like it could be like... At a at like a gay bar, it sounds yeah, like a you. gay bar name. I'm gonna say it's real. Lance, oh god, fake. It's fake. Okay. But here's okay. the thing, though. This is I, that's that's the one I made up for for you. Uh, I thought the same thing. <laughs> so George Clunatic <laughs> is like a is a drag king. Oh, it's like a, see, a woman. I was so close. No, well, yeah. I mean, but it's not real. So it, 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 we're just making this up. Yeah. So I I envision like a drag king. So it's a woman dressed like George Clooney. Oh, wait, Clooney. there is no drag king. You just said that you made that up, and I was like, oh, but there is one, but there's not. No, there's a drag drag king, like a woman impersonating a man. Okay. So there's a woman who dressed like George Clooney, and there's a bunch of drag queens behind her in, like, ER nurse outfits, and those are the trauma queens. I really like that. <laughs> That'd be fun, right? I would really love that. I would love to see George Clooney-tick <laughs> and the trauma queens. <laughs> I'm sure they'd be amazing. All right, Lance, this one's for you. Okay. Don't fail. <laughs> gang nails? Gang nails. Gang nails. That um, sounds tough, man. Yeah, you know, based on, you know, my experience with grabbing just two regular words and throwing them together and then putting band after it in a Google search, I'd say that's real. I'm going to say real. It's real. That's a, it's a guy I know. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> it's my friend Joe. He lives in the apartment upstairs. What, did you he know? ever tell you why it's called gang nails? Uh, no, I just, the other day, he was like, oh, yeah, you know a place I can play in L.A.? And I was like, what's your band called? He's like, Gang Nails. I was like, oh, cool. And That's then pretty I, good. then when I was thinking of this game, I was like, oh, I need a band name. There so, you go. Nails. Yeah. Maybe right. it's like the fingernails of gang members. Yeah, that's what I thought. Well, here's the right? thing. It's either hangnails, like it's like hangnails. That's what I was thinking, either hangnails or like like gang girl like nail- nails. Yeah, I could see that. Like me Vita Loca style. Yeah, like, like really. S- like scratching a hole in your yeah. Yeah, or they're Trachea. like painted really crazy. Yeah, yeah. Like they have like uh, like the name of the gang painted on the oh, nail. Yeah, yeah. In old English. And they're yeah. like twenty feet long. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the nails are twenty feet they're long. So yeah. fucking weird. And when they clap, it's yeah. like she awkward. drags them yeah. behind the car <laughs> with sparks coming it's like, out. Yeah. What is that? What would you call that sound? What is that car? Hydraulics. Hydraulics. Okay, sorry. Okay. I digress. All right. Yes, you Liz, do. This one's for you. Oh. <laughs> I, think, I can read through the back of the card, and I think it says taint. Crucial taint. Crucial taint. Crucial taint. Whoa. Oh, my God. Wow. Um, is it, maybe it's like crucial it ain't? 
Like, if there were a comma there, like, crucial taint. No, it's if it's real or fake, it's not. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to say it's, it has, if it's, I'm going to say it's fake. Because if it's not, I'm going to, like, cunt punch whoever made that up. Again, because of my rule of taking any two real words and putting them together and Googling it, I will say that's real. It's actually fake, but here's the thing. Uh, the Tia Carrera's band in Wayne's World was named Crucial Taunt. Ah. Ah. Why so do I close. not remember that band name? We just rewatched that that movie again, and it's so fucking bad. Like everybody's like fake playing, but the music's like real, real bad. But I, when I was a kid, I was like, "Oh, this is bitching, man! Look at this like hot Asian lady fucking shredding!" And it's like, as an adult, when they make movies so with with bands in them like that that are fake, why don't they spend even like one iota of time and energy showing them how to like fake play an instrument, or just hire a real band and have the chick or whoever the dude is that's the main person in the band. They can just fuck around, but they should have a real band that plays real songs. Because watching someone fake play an instrument. I think that Crucial Taunt was a real band, though. Didn't they have a music video? I've no. They everybody did Ballroom look, Blitz. If you they, just yeah. watch it again, it looks like everybody's fake playing. Just the way she. Maybe it's for the stuff. film. Like maybe just for the film, they have to fake. I think play she it. was a real band. Yeah. Really? Yeah, I think so. Oh, Crucial snap. Taunt. Crucial Taunt. Because they had a music video that was of the song from Wayne's World of just them playing Ballroom Blitz. Oh, God. Oh, no shit. Which is... Uh, it's like my worst nightmare. Just put that on repeat and fucking uh, lock me in a closet. What band is that? Oh, The Sweet. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. So it was a Sweet cover, but I think they did a video for it. All right. All right. Moving on. <laughs> Messy Jiverson. Ugh. Wow. Real also, or fake? Messy uh, Jiverson. Atrociously bad. I'm I'm going to say, oh, God, if it's real. I don't know. I feel it's like it could fake. be like a dead jazz rock band or something, you it's know, like be. messing around with some. Messy Jiverson. You know, jiving around. Fake. I'm going to, I'm going to say real. It's real. And the reason. It's real. <laughs> the reason why I, oh. that it's in here is because he has a, Messy Jiverson <laughs> has a song called Crucial Taint. Oh, no way. Nice. Are you serious? Apparently. That can't be. Tr- I googled "crucial taint" to see because messy Jiverson and messy Jiverson came up, and it's a some sort of funk That's soul band. Com- that is some comedy gold. That's some. It's also a very around. good segue, Jed. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Great well, job. No, these are these are in Applause order for, for that. sure. Applause okay. for that. Yeah. So uh, here you go, Liz. Here's the next one. Messy Jiverson. All right, I'm ready, Lance. Don't try to sneak a peek. Oh, this is good. This is a good band name and very relevant. Cosby Drugs. Ooh. <laughs> it's so good, that, but it's so too fake. Soon. It's too soon. It's too soon. It's too soon. I too came soon. up with it last night. It's yeah. fucking rad. It's a good one, but yeah. It's if anyone out Lance, there has a band new. and you're, you're looking new. for... Yeah. yeah if Lance. you're looking for a band name, Cosby Drugs is it's available. It's so good. Yeah, I'm giving you, gotta, you that I one. I feel like you need to patent that shit, man. It'd be like if the day that, that zombie face-eating guy like was on the news, you said bath salts, I'd be like, dude, too soon. Right. <laughs> but now there's definitely multiple bands. I thought like Miami that. Zombies could be a good band name, Ooh, too. Yeah, that Ooh, that's good. Yeah. All right. You got to get this one, Lance. This is a record store guy one. All right, Nigel Peppercock. That's real. Holy shit! Do you well, remember? You would that know that. You would know wait. it probably. Do you is, remember yeah. the Nigel Peppercock seven inch with the guy on the front uh, 
completely nude with the uh, he had the high top <laughs> shoes on, like on the, on. The was that at our store? No, I don't. You're no, I used to have it. You're doing the spread eagle thing where if he's completely <laughs> naked and he's in high tops, I'm like, are his balls showing? Like, oh yeah, his like entire dick Google is showing. Everything. Those guys showing. played. They played my house in Seattle, and and the were they the naked st- with high tops? No, they were on a lot of drugs, and they brought uh, exercise equipment that they set up <laughs> and used during the show. Wow. But the seven inch was this oh naked guy in white high tops on a freeway that looked like it was in Arizona. If you Mexico. could just see the, what Jed looks like right now, you would just... Very tan. It is very... He looked sexual. like uh, like Magic Jake, basically. Oh, Mexico. my God. That's kind of what the guy looked like. Hot. Very tan, so hot. blonde, kind of like a Hulk Hogan-y looking guy with a big heart on and oh white high tops. And the, and the seven inch was called... Fresh white Reeboks kicking your ass. That's so good. <laughs> what year was it? I don't this know. This was like early 2000s. Kick ass. Awesome. That yeah. makes so much sense. If it would have been from the 60s, I would have been like, whoa, acid no, trip. No, it was pretty dirty. Um, I think that the, the one of the guys worked in a porn shop, and this guy brought in a bunch of photos of himself. And nice. they used that as their... Their other albums that they came out later were just filled with like the most horrendous gay porn you've ever seen. Oh, my God. <laughs> but if it. Nigel got married, there would be like a... A Mrs. and Mr. Peppercock. Exactly. And I mean, that's the thing. It's actually not that. It's a good last name. It's kind of a nice. Yeah. It's an upper crust name right? in a way. Right. It's upper crusty. All right. Moving on. I did the last one. Is this one for oh. Liz? Oh, that's for Liz. Yeah. Okay. All right. Iron prostate. Ooh, whoa. <laughs> oh wow. man. Damn. Paints and prostates. <laughs> yeah. Right. I think this game uh, says a lot about the state. Of band names in 2015, dude. And how that hard just about it is. anything is believable. It's so hard to figure out what's real and what's so not. There's so many bad band names. You could just, and Google is like the death of everything. You can't come up with the anything. The death of really, anything good. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say it's, I'm gonna say it's fake. Say it's fake. I'm gonna say Iron fake. <laughs> but unless it was for like a PSA campaign or something where they were just like, this is our mascot, Iron Prostate. Make sure to massage your prostate daily. I'll, I'll say that's fake, too. It's real. It's oh, real? Wow. Apparently it was like a, a band made up of a, a lot of like older dudes from other punk rock bands. <laughs> Whoa. And, and George Tab was in it. I love that they're oh, old snap. men. Yeah. And where they have to men, be considered yeah. about, you know, considering their prostate at that point in life. Right. And they're like, man. And they still want to rock. You yeah. pussy, you got a weak prostate. I got an iron prostate. <laughs> yeah. It's made of steel. Nope, iron. Different kind Sorry, of that doesn't make it God. I'm such a blonde. I think you can make steel out of iron. Can you? Okay, yeah. let's just go with that. Melt it down in mortar, like mortar somewhere. You could probably. Wow, Liz is really on this Lord of the Rings thing. It's L O T R, yeah. just so you know. Uh, Jesus. All right, this one's for Lance. Okay. <clears throat> well, <laughs> goat mask rapist? That's terrible. <laughs> That's oh, really fucked man. up. It sounds like a Chris Kirk band. <laughs> I feel like yeah, go, go, I love you, Chris Kirk. Yeah. But it sounds I feel like Goat Mass Rapist and Kirk Cosby band. Drugs are playing a show. <laughs> oh, they are. They are right somewhere in hell. Let's make bin cards with some of these band names and put them in the yeah, shop just where like their record fake would be names. filed. Yeah, I'm George Clooney take me. Goat Mask Rapist has to be fake. That's terribly offensive and fucked up. <laughs> uh it is. But. I like that, but that's never stopped. It's never the stopped anal anybody, cunts of the right? World. Yeah, that's, what that's I'm true. If I'm you, gonna if, say if I didn't know anal cunt existed and you put that in front of me, I would say fake. It's kind of like goat head soup, like, but it's goat masked rapist. <laughs> like, 
I'm going to say it's real. It's fake. God. Thank goodness. It comes from uh, DJ Rick out of Sacramento. Oh, uh, I love DJ Rick. Yeah, me too. He's amazing. What's the context of yeah. that? He was posting on something about made-up like band, band names. That was that was one of them, and I, and I just really liked that one, and I also wanted to give DJ Rick in Props. Sacramento yeah. a shout-out. Rick L. if you're listening. <laughs> Weird, I was just talking about him last night. I miss Art for Spastics. There you go, Liz. All right. We got a couple if, more. Let me see if I can pronounce it. All right, now we got double dong. <laughs> I didn't mean it to be so sexual. I, I wasn't thinking about that. Act, Are you giving me all this? I got prostate, pepper double dong, no, he got rapist, cock, Cosby drugs, we're just crucial in, taint. We're, I'm getting all the sexual well, ones. There's, there's going to be one more, and then it gets fun again. Okay. <laughs> double dong. Double dong. Is Whoa, double, double real. Double dong has to exist. It's too uh, phonetically pleasing to say that. Double dong. I like, see, this yeah. is what's great about this is I love the logic. is like, logic. right? Goat mass rapist is too horrifying to be real. Right. So but double it's, dong is so phonetically pleasing that it has to be a real band. Double name. dong. I'm into it. It's what like do you think? Cellar door. What do you think, Lance? That's probably real. Yeah, there's idiots out there that would call a band that. Double dong. Yeah, they're from Boston. I think. Woo! Shout out to double dong. What's up? Of course they, they're from Boston. They almost had a record out on Sub Pop at one point. No nice. way. Yeah, part of the singles club. Uh, uh, someone was trying to sell us really hard on double dong when, <laughs> when I first started working there. Would it just be like like a like a penis with like a little cube next to it? Like a, like a like, cube? Like, like squared? A Wait, cube? like a dong squared. <laughs> Like double dong. I don't know. No, I think it's just a, like a penis like, with a like double on, dildo. I think, yeah, okay. I think yeah, I think it is what it actually says it is. It's not. It's not thinking. We're more. not talking about moon. I'm like, let's get into this. the math of this. All right, one more gross one. All right. It's not that gross. <laughs> Milf and the rookies. It's, uh, you know who Milk and Cookies milk and is, cookies. and I think that's got to be fake. I'm going to agree with that because it's, it's too, too similar to milk, milk and, and cookies. cookies. Yeah, that's somebody that knows what milk and cookies is. And yeah. Yeah, yeah, record store nerds. That's a record store nerd <laughs> fake band. <laughs> right there for you, y'all. Look it's it a up. good one, though. All right, we're, get, we're getting, we're getting G-rated again here. Okay, okay. It is a good band name, Milf and the Rookies. <laughs> All right, this is really G-rated. I'm, dis- I'm kind of disappointed, Jed. Mr. Children. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty good that's, putting those two things together. Wow. Is pretty amazing, Mr. Children. Mr. Children, and I'm gonna I'm gonna just throw hobbits into everything. Mr. Children and the hobbits. No, no. Um, Mr. Children is not real. I think that's probably real. It's definitely real. Okay. I'm not gonna tell you anything about Mr. Children, but I'm just gonna <laughs> say it's real, and we're just gonna keep going real okay. quickly here. Fair enough. Snail. Oh, whoa. That's a pretty good one, actually. I'm not a, against this in any way That's, whatsoever. Is that a vaginal reference? Snail ramp? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I like that the girl in the room is asking if that's a vaginal ramp. I think it's like, uh, it's like uh, pet step. It's so that your snail can get into oh, bed with you. Oh, snap. Get up. Okay. <laughs> that's awesome. All right. And First I, of all, I Sky Mall just went out of business, so there's no more pet snaps, but there's pet steps, but there's a, a snail ramp. Okay, snail ramp. Um... I'm I'm going to say that it's fake in hopes that someone will use it going yeah, forward. I think fake. I'm going to say fake because the snails don't go very fast. They don't really need a ramp. Snail ramp is real. Whoa. <laughs> All right. One more here. Let's see what we got. This is the second to last one. Is that bump? Yes, bump. Okay. 
Bump of chicken. <laughs> oh, man. Bump of chicken. Oh, wow. But real or fake? That's got to be real just okay, because so no one would ever make that up for this game. I love the logic. And is it like bump a... Bump of is chicken? Is it like a, like a bump, like a little piece, or is it like Coke, like you're doing like a bump of chicken? Like, <laughs> <laughs> what I don't is know. it? Um, it's... It's, it's snorting chicken now. Yeah, yeah, you just some shred. Get, get a hold of that shreddy stuff. Um, I'm going to say real. It's real. It's oh, real. I didn't get Lance in there. Damn. Oh, yeah. no, I he said already said before. Oh, you said it was real. No one okay. would ever make that up. That's insane. Bump of chicken. Good logic. So Mr. Children, Snail Ramp, and Bump of Chicken are all like wildly popular Japanese pop bands. Whoa. Yeah. And so maybe it's a translation error where it comes out weird. Lost in translation. Bump of chicken. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> maybe they meant piece of chicken. Snail ramp. Or chicken wing on a string. I don't know. All right. Then we're going to do one. There's four. Let's do it. All right, we can do them all. All right, we'll edit it later. All right, all right. Speed round. Here you go, Lance. (laughs) Mom and the dads. Oh, I love that. Mom and the dads has to be real. I love mom and the dads. It would be silly if it wasn't. There wasn't somebody who would be in their band. Is there? So there's like one mom and many dads. (laughs) Why why does there have to be? Because it's only mom singular. It's not moms and dads. Right. Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna say real. Yeah, mom and the dad is real. I think that's real. Yeah, it's like a. It's like a, I think like a fit, late fifties, early sixties, like gospel kind of group, like a family band yeah. or whatever. Yeah. In the common. Uh, dollar. Are they on GNP Crescendo? Quite possibly. It's, a, it's definitely a uh, thrift store. Yeah. Band. I think I've seen that somewhere. For all of the. You but either that way, need to know. like even if that band didn't exist, there would be a band called Mom and the Dads now. Right. Yeah. Well, I think like. And mom and the dads could play with Mr. Children. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Or Cosby drugs. <laughs> all right. But for some reason, we went from, like, all sex stuff to, like, weird family stuff. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> it's like, we should have mixed that up, then it would have been shocking. But you can do that later. Okay. I know I'm pretty sure this is real, because I think I've heard of it. But it's Diarrhea Perlman. <laughs> oh, Diarrhea Perlman. I like the way you read it. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna say that's real. It's I'm, fucked up. I think I've heard of this band, but if I haven't, it's I gonna think be even Liz funnier. is thinking of Diarrhea Planet, which is no, I'm not. Okay, I'm not, well, I, I think that's fake. It's real. Diarrhea Permanent is Woo-woo. real. Wow. Yeah, I get bonus points. There's a. I think there was a thing in the '90s, um, which were actually is. Well, there's a thing in the '90s that happened where. They were like taking like a lot of like celebrity names and then mashing them up into bands or whatever. Yeah, um, trying to think of one. Like the Winona Riders and yeah, uh, you know, I, I don't. Rem- no one remembers these. None of those bands ever <laughs> lasted. Yeah, where there. they put like someone's name and roll it into John Cougar diarrhea. concentration camp. Yeah, yeah totally. that's good. Is a perfect David answer. Lee Jazz Hands, which was the band we were in for a while. I forgot about that one. I, I did too. <laughs> Everybody did. Okay, <laughs> here's one for Lance. And the same theme. Oh, Sandy Duncan's eyes real. I've seen this before. I don't know where, but I think this is real. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say yeah, that's real. Sandy Duncan's eye is real, and because uh, they actually got, I think, sued by Sandy Duncan. Um, I remember in, working in the sub pop warehouse and seeing the Sandy Duncan's eye record, but they had to change the name, and so they changed it to Sandy Duncan's L. Because <laughs> why not? Like, E-L-L? Yeah. It was so important for them so, to continue uh, the band. Yeah, Sandy Duncan's. But okay. why not change it to the letter I? Like Sandy. I, that's that makes absolutely no like sense. Sandy Duncan's one? Yeah. <laughs> that's probably why. All right, last one. 
All right. This one's for Liz. That's for me. <laughs> what do you got? PTS dad. <laughs> PTS dad. PTS dad. I love it. I you I want it? it. I want it. Th- I love PTS dad. I want this to be real. <laughs> Cuz it's not po- it's not post traumatic stress disorder. It's post traumatic stress dad. <laughs> he doesn't even really have doesn't even really have to have been to war for this shit. It could no. just be that his kids all fucked him up or his wife sucks or his family made him crazy, you There's know. There's so many reasons why that dad it's could so have post traumatic stress. Yeah. Just a shitty dog or something. I'm going to I'm going to say it's not real, but I want it to be. Um, I think that's fake. It is fake. It's actually an idea for like a bad sitcom I had called <laughs> PTS Dad, where oh I love it, where the, where the kids would like do something wrong and he just goes flies off the handle at any point. Every second he's like, Wah! I don't know if I ever told you this, but I keep a running list of mostly bad band names that <laughs> probably don't exist. Do Send them want, to me. Do you want to hear some? Oh wait, yeah, maybe we should save. We this. should save them for the next yeah. show. And yeah, you yeah. could use them. And I'll right. and I'll give you a, a shout out for for uh, supplying the, the band names. Okay, yeah, yeah like I got a shitload of. Them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't don't waste them here. Okay, <laughs> we'll not save those treasures for later. <laughs> and that's band names. Yeah. Band names. I love band names. Yeah, it's Yay! fun, right? right. That was yeah. really fun. All right. Let's keep that going. All right, thanks, guys. Thank you. That's thanks for show. having us. It All was right. awesome. We'll see you soon. All right, bye, Jed. All right, that's been Jed Banger's Ball for today. I want to thank, again, everyone out there for listening and our guests, Lance and Liz. Go see them. Endless Bummer, April 24th at the El Rey. They're opening for Fuzz. Should be a crazy show. As always, we're brought to you by This Is Not A Pipe, and we're recorded here in Los Angeles, California at the Green Street Studios. Until next time, peace. Peace.